0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Boys Will Be Human. This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a narrow and repressive description of manhood, designating manhood as defined by violence, sex, status, or aggression. It doesn't allow boys to express how they feel, and when that builds up inside without a healthy expression, some dangerous events can happen. Also, being toxic doesn't automatically mean you're hurting others. You can still hurt just yourself and be toxic. I am toxic, we all are or have been, and it's because of our culture that has instilled certain gender norms we have to follow, quote unquote, follow. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world and step one is to talk about it. Talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening, let's begin. I really liked it when it first came out because it was like a quiet movie and I just enjoyed it. I did tell my wife about this movie and she was like, so there's a movie about three white men who lose their job. Did anybody see it? (laughs) And
1: I was like, yeah, I I did. (laughs) So you had seen it before?
0: i had seen it before i, I was like oh. a random i don't know sometimes like ben affleck has those random movies that i just want to check out like this one and he's like a basketball coach last year i don't know how good it is but i want to watch that yeah um uh i have a thing with basketball coach movies too so that's my thing but thinking think that uh, <laughs> uh coach carter it's up there like i own it it's great um <laughs>
1: Oh that is a good one. I love that. Actually part. it's
0: really good. Actually it's really good. Um but I uh I watched it again today and um it brings up a lot of toxic masculinity uh ideals but it's not like there's no violence, it's no there's no crime, just a lot of keeping up appearances for other people's opinions and for themselves.
2: It's a lot of internalized talks like especially when you're talking about bob like the main character ben affleck's character i think that's like really internalized in him and his appearance but what's great is like the movie kind of sees his development where he loses a bit of that and then it's like okay you're spending more time with your family you're getting used to you know being seeing yourself as something other than what you used to value.
0: I think it's really normal for a lot of men to value themselves through work or the money yep. or the money that we make. And it was like a real thing, especially like even now during COVID times, like I didn't lose a job because of COVID, but I, ha- I had to leave a job because of it. Cause I was so scared. And so my income has come way down and we're still figuring things out, but I was just like, Oh my God, like that's, it's just interesting. I'm not saying like, I am Ben Affleck's character. I'm nowhere near Ben Affleck's character. But um, it was just an interesting light to look look through now when people are just losing their jobs just because of COVID alone, as well as maybe other reasons.
1: I mean, I think what Ethan said is is 100% accurate. I think a lot of what this movie deals with is internalized um, toxic masculinity. There's no there were certainly outward expressions of the toxic masculinity, and there's a couple that I like. A couple instances that instantly popped in my mind of like, okay, that clearly was like an outburst. I mean, I'm thinking of when he goes into interview for the one job. Um, he wants to be like the director of marketing, and there, you know, that he it becomes very clear that he's actually being considered for a much less, you know, prestigious and um, a job that doesn't pay, you know, nearly as much um but a lot of a lot of what it comes from is this i mean you you guys have pretty much said it really well of keeping up appearances and and um maintaining a lifestyle or maintaining a certain image just because that's the that you've risen to a certain level therefore if you're not at that level or above you're somehow less than um as a person which i think I don't think is necessarily specific just to toxic masculinity. I think that's just a toxic trait in all people. Everyone, I think that just is like, well, I used to be here and now, you know, I'm not, you know, what I, you know, and, and life happens. I mean, I think that's what, what, what was really interesting. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't love the movie. I, I, I was probably not in the right headspace when I started watching it again, as we were talking about before we started recording, this is just, this has been a, lot of emotions going on this week and i probably just didn't connect with it i didn't connect with it immediately and when and when i don't connect with it immediately that it's hard for me to kind of keep riding the wave of whatever the movie does but it was really interesting watching it at a time when we've gone through something you know obviously the film is centered around the financial crash of 2008 and the sort of after effects and we're whether or not it's, it's being framed that way or people are even thinking about it that way, we kind of just went through another one of these events where for a reason completely and totally out of everybody's control, the world changed and it affected a lot of people. People who probably thought that they were untouchable and would never lose their jobs and would never be without work. So it was a really interesting thing to watch that right now and kind of be like, wow, I mean, I I just kept thinking about, you know, I I can imagine that there are a lot of people in the world going through this right now and going through this process of trying to figure out, I mean, what what it seems like he's trying to do throughout the film after he loses his job is like kind of actually figure out who he is. And that process, I feel like, especially for a guy like that, can only really happen when you are removed from the thing that has been your identity for so long, which is this this man and his job and being a dad and being a husband. So, and being the provider, I think is the most important part, being the breadwinner, being the one, oh, to the yeah. point that he, he even, I mean, they are, he is without a job, they are in dire straits, and he initially completely completely rebuffs the idea of his wife going back to work just like completely like he and he doesn't even it doesn't even seem to think you know he doesn't even have a second thought about it in that moment of, he's just like oh no no no, we're not there yet like you don't need to go back to work and it's like for me Same. i'm like wow i was like whoa dude like maybe she should go make some fucking money like i don't know like it's it's that kind of thinking of like but these things are ingrained especially like that i mean i'm i'm gonna assume by the accents that we're talking about boston <laughs> i never really got like a clear sense of where we were <laughs> but like the yeah, accents they, for me were was boston
0: yeah um, they were they're like in the northeast massachusetts but i don't think they said boston per se
2: and uh, also where he, the job was where he flew and he flew to he flew to chicago right he
0: flew to chicago and he was like oh i just came in from oh. boston
2: yeah no you're right
0: but they never they never said like we're in Boston or like there's no you overt but like the license plates for Massachusetts they said northeastern Kevin Costner in mean, Boston it's prob- accent <laughs> probably a
1: suburb type place in Boston or you know, yeah. not Boston proper but like one of those little areas or yeah of course around there um, but I also I mean that's just that's just a different that's a completely different part of this country I mean that I I would suspect that the I, the ideals of family and work are very different in a place like that versus maybe somewhere a little bit more liberal like pretty much anywhere in California. I mean, there's, you know, there's conservative parts, but like on the whole, California is a pretty laid back uh, place. Um, so it, it it was a very interesting movie. I mean, I think that I don't mess, I personally don't really know if the, with the way that they ended the film, I don't really know really if any lessons were learned here, which I think in a, in a movie about talks in a movie that, is not necessarily about toxic masculinity but definitely without really being aware of uh, without being aware of it certainly dips its toes into those waters um it was very interesting to me that he just kind of like and again for anyone that hasn't seen the movie spoilers here but like at the end he just like gets a job and he goes into work and it seems like everything's kind of clicked back in but it's like For me, I was just kind of like, well, it wasn't this whole point about like figuring out who you were outside of this thing you've always been doing. And then you kind of just end up landing right back in it. Essentially in the same place you were. I mean, obviously it's a different situation. Obviously we hope as viewers who have spent you know a whole film watching this guy, we hope he's picked up something and he's learned a little bit more. But then it kind of is this weird 11th hour thing where he just gets a new job. And it's like, well, are you still going to, you know, live at your parents' house and talk to your son like that and, you know, try to be intimate with your wife. I mean, it's like, that for me was just this kind of thing. I'm like, oh, we had a really good opportunity here for someone to like really learn a lesson. And it didn't seem like we went that way, but we're also talking about a movie that's 10 years old. And the intent and certainly the targeted audience of a movie like this wouldn't have noticed and probably didn't care in the end if he learned anything. And it was a nice kind of closed loop movie where instead it could have been a little bit more open-ended. I would have loved to, I, and I genuinely thought they were gonna do this for a second. I thought he was gonna still work at the brother-in-law's company for like a right. split second. I was like, oh my God, he's not gonna go. And then there's the end scene and I'm like, okay, so what are we What are we doing here? <laughs> like what? Yeah. What, are, what is the point? But I mean, I, I think it certainly, it still certainly says a lot about toxic masculinity specifically how it can be so ingrained to the point that you're not even think you're truly not even thinking about it anymore. It, it just, it is a part of how you act and and how you think about the world. I mean, I, I could not get over the scene where the wife offers to go back to work and he just immediately, after having just gotten fired, just immediately dismisses it out of hand. And Which again, I probably shouldn't be surprised given the circumstances and given locale but it was still this thing of like i don't think that would i don't think that would fly today like if this movie tried to come out right now i do not think it would have i don't think it would find certainly a place in popular culture like i don't think the mainstream like entertainment media would have a lot of good stuff to say about it there was still a lot there there was still a lot going on in this movie that i think is worth kind of dissecting and, and talking
0: about the idea of being blue collar versus white collar for at least for for bobby's character since his like quote-unquote nemesis is his brother-in-law who's a carpenter or I, I guess or um he works in construction and he has like like a smaller house but it's a, a tight-knit family uh atmosphere him and his wife are affectionate and he's like a good person because he like brings people on and he always he's always like out there on their first paycheck he gives uh ben Affleck like two hundred dollars extra and he's like oh i must have miss something and there's just so many times where Ben like just like puts down that idea of like you know like what am i gonna do like bag groceries or or um i'm not gonna i'm not really like the kind of guy that's gonna pop nails out as if saying like oh it's like a it's like a less than job like you said paul um yeah, yeah. and it's like eye-opening to see how like you really don't need all that money like all the money doesn't do anything it can give you some security and it can give you some nice things but I think it. I think it does show Ben F like going through that journey pretty well. But I, yeah, it was just like it was so interesting just watching. Like, oh yeah, a lot of men think this way. Like, I, I can't do this job, and I do it too. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, there's jobs that I've taken. Like, I've, I've worked for fast food restaurants, and I hesitated because of just the appearance of it. But it's so ingrained, and it's and and I'm not even like, I'm not even a rich Northeastern, <laughs> rich person from from. <laughs> the Northeast with a nice car and a house and kids.
2: I Um, think, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, both of you did, but that very first scene where it shows the kitchen with all of the appliances lined up on the countertops, I think is like a really like, it's just such a quick little cut, but it's so perfect to see like where he started or where he thinks he started. And then to just see the descent over time. mm -hmm. I mean, specifically in this country, like we as a society plays so much importance on our role and our profession and how much we make. And that kind of defines our value. Like when you're introducing to yourself to someone, you're meeting someone for the first time, obviously pre COVID, but um, <laughs> you, you know, that, that immediate question though, Hey, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? You know, what do yes. you do for a living? And that's, that's that immediate, Oh, you know, do I want to continue talking to this person does is their job interesting like do they make a lot of money do they not you know people say doctor or lawyer and you're like ooh, like wow
0: where'd you go to med school Uh, where do you practice yeah right exactly
2: and it's immediately you know that status earned right in that conversation and you know from your peers and i think 2008 really highlighted the fact that like hey no one was safe right um so this movie's really playing off that whole no one's safe thing which is again happening during this pandemic no one's safe right in both job and health at this point but yeah you know he holds on to that porsche for so damn long right like he holds on to the the golf membership for so long yeah
0: that that hospital scene is crazy
2: you and you realize that his wife was a nurse right you know, at the very least, she's a CNA. I say least, but, like, CNAs do a hell of a lot of work for very little pay and, like, do not get the respect that they deserve. Shout-outs to CNAs. But I say very least, but, like, you know, that's still a nurse. Like, they're still caring for people. And to say that your wife can't go back to work, like you said, Paul, like, it's just astounding to me. But Yeah, that the,
1: that hospital scene was horrifying. <laughs> right. I mean, it was really hard to watch.
2: It's it was just, like, we're really having this conversation right now? Like... Yeah. you could cancel that check like cancel that check because i'm paying the bills and we can't afford any of it like yeah it was just i i think it feeds into that pride which pride is not necessarily a bad thing um like you should have pride in certain things that you do but yeah. i think that we as a society take too much pride and especially men in this society take too much pride in our profession and put too much stock in what that means for, you know, providing for our family, for, you know, driving the nice car and owning the big house, like that means too much. And it's become a very toxic trait in our society. And he is like the embodiment of that. I need these things to keep up appearances so that everyone believes I'm successful. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not just an asshole with a resume, And that was my favorite line where she comes back and you're like, you are an asshole with a resume. Like you're just an asshole with a resume because you don't have a job. You're making no money and you're paying all of this fucking money, like all of this for all of these expensive things that you don't need. Right. So it's just, I think that's what struck me the most. I mean, 2008 was rough. Like it kind of hit home for me because I remember my dad losing his job and like parents having financial issues And I mean, I wasn't as aware of it as probably I should have been because I was just leaving high school and, you know, you're thinking about college and all the fun things you're going to do, not necessarily worrying about, you know, the financial issues um, that you're not necessarily aware of as acutely as you should be. Um, So like that part resonated with me. But also like, yeah, when my dad lost his job, it wasn't he didn't want to flip burgers or like make sandwiches he was too yeah. proud to do those things, um, and, and so he ended up not doing anything, which I think may have hurt him more in the long run, just because of a lack of something to do.
0: Yeah. But it really, it really hit me when um, the son got rid of the Xbox, or was it the son that got mm. rid of the Xbox or the mom?
1: Yeah. No, it's the son. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Just that mentality. I I didn't do that, but I definitely would have had them. And I feel like I would have had the mentality a little bit if I knew more about my family's financial situation. Plus, right. he's like he's the only boy, and I think he puts a lot of like it's crazy how much I think sons can put pressure on themselves if they're the only, especially if they're only boy and they're the youngest. Like, are we? We're all the youngest, right?
1: Yep, I'm the youngest.
0: Yeah. And so I th- I'm not saying like you better feel the same way that I do right now just because you're the youngest, but I'm just pointing that out. Um, but I feel like it, as the youngest child, especially if you're the only boy, then I think you just put a lot of, you You have the possibility of putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be part of it or be, or be the man of the house. If it's like a, if it's, you know, if it's divorced or if your father has passed away, sadly. Um, but it's just in there to make us like be a certain way so that we can't, tell anyone that nothing's wrong which is horrible and that happens to the Chris Cooper's character when who unfortunately commits suicide and his daughter's trying to go to Brown and I don't know what's wrong with his wife but I wanted to I wanted to learn more about his wife to be honest because when he came home she was like oh she's up there with a headache and then she's like on the bed and she's like oh yeah and she looks like she hasn't slept in like a few days um, there so was like, a
1: wine glass by her bed yeah so i think it was
0: oh I, out there. Oh, so, I see, yeah, oh I didn't oh i didn't see i'm gonna that.
1: i'm gonna assume we we certainly didn't spend enough time with it to, for it to really right. i think be
0: yeah fleshed out
1: uh, yeah but i mean i'm gonna guess that that was the implication was that she oh was i didn't phenomenal. see that but then I it's was, also you know, it's assumed,
2: we're assuming, right, from the empty wine glass and she's passed out and headache, right? That, you know, alcoholism is the, the factor, but then, of course, Chris Cooper in the bar is talking about how you know, she won't let him come home before six. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm.
0: So like, it, it's also
2: her putting that, that onus on him of, you know, you need to keep up appearances because like, yeah. we're not people that lose our jobs, like yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. wife of a person who has a job and is very successful, and yeah, so yeah. you know, not to say she's entirely to blame at all, but like there's definitely both factors of of that internalized like issue and struggle with keeping up those appearances.
1: It, it's a poisonous process. I mean, it mm-hmm. it it affects everybody. It it really becomes something that. Depending on the right circum, I mean, and, and again, that's that's talking about circumstance because obviously right. the situation with Ben Affleck and his wife is very different. She yep. seems very much, I mean, she initially offers to go back to work just almost right off the gate says, maybe I can you know, take a few shifts. And I do think it's, I mean, what something you had on earlier, I thought was really interesting where they don't really set up what she does until you see her there in the hospital and it was so interesting the way the script was written when she says oh you know like i could pick up a couple shifts in my mind immediately i thought oh waitress or um yeah i
0: I thought i thought food service
1: And I felt like such an asshole when the hospital scene starts and she's there and she's a fucking nurse. I was just like, Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Um, But, but what I, but you know, my, my, my point there being that it's, it's, he's so in his own head about his situation that he's not even aware of. and, And again, we're in the middle of COVID. So like, seeing a nurse doing their job right now just kind of hits a little bit differently but for me it's like you're not even letting your wife go to work and do this like incredibly noble work like you were a shipping distributor like you worked in boats and shit and she wants (laughs) to go like help people and you have a problem I'm just like it, it it was um
0: it didn't shock me
1: it didn't, it didn't shock me, but it's the, it's the kind of, it's the kind of thing that didn't shock me that like, I'm just getting tired. I'm getting tired of that. And I'm getting, I, I I truly do not think that this movie would have a marketplace or would make any kind of indent today. Like that, that scene, that whole hospital scene, I don't think someone reading that script now would be like, absolutely not. We cannot, like, we cannot keep, yeah. especially after the Harvey Weinstein thing, like these kinds, this, the whims of men and men just doing whatever they want because and treating people however they want because they're more important and we put more you know emphasis on them like we just we we there is no room for that anymore and it's hard and and i really i mean like i just i'm talking about my own personal viewing experience i really tried to keep up with this movie and really keep it going but there were so many times where i was just like this almost is like this almost seems like a weird like infomercial like for this bad behavior, because ultimately at the end of the day, like the behavior is like kind of addressed. And like, there are some moments where the men like either admit that they were wrong or like, you know, Ben Affleck has like a nice moment with his wife towards the end, but then he gets another job. And it's like, it's almost like the whole film had just has happened because he's getting back to that. You know, obviously he's at like what you would consider a startup and like it's not necessarily the stature of what he had before but he's working with a lot of the same people. He's doing essentially the same job. He has not gone anywhere. He hasn't really evolved in any way. We've seen opportunities for him to evolve and we've seen moments where he shows a little bit of um, growth in, in in a more personal way, but like, how much do you want to bet that he goes back to exactly the same behavior he was when he was still working at that old job, like in about two months or so, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And, and, and I wanted to, and I wanted to understand it from this perspective of like, you know, during 2008, like the effect of that was massive and people lost their jobs. Who'd been working places for 20, 30 years across all industry. I mean, it really was this horrific moment of, people just being cast aside and um there have been several i mean i i you know i've up in the air comes up to my mind too of movies that deal with this this that that particular time and i think up in the air personally just dealt with it much much better and you know unfairly again though came at it from a completely different perspective so it was a different viewpoint but um I I think ultimately what I had to do to sort of keep watching it was just kind of look at it as a slice of life thing of like, well, these are, this is what these men would do. This is what a guy like Ben Affleck's character, who's had the life he's had, this is how he would act. And he would, he would feel embarrassed and less of a man, quote unquote, if he had to move back in with his parents. I don't love that, but like, that's true to what this guy would probably be like Um, it doesn't hit the same way now because obviously like men certainly over the past couple of years have started to have these conversations a little bit more about saying it's okay to be completely devastated when you lose your job because that's ultimately like what i kind of saw in ben affleck's character throughout the course of this film was someone who was in grief in grief not only about their job but like really losing and the the person that he thought he was in his head has died and he has to grieve that loss um in order to in any way move on with his life which you know is a slow process i mean as ethan said he really hangs on to that porsche which like i think today that would be the first thing somebody gets rid of that would be like number one off the list is like get rid of the expensive car get rid of all the golf clubs and all that shit like just get rid of that stuff but we're you know we're, we're talking 10 years in the past which is it's really hard for us to remember how different the conversation was about men at that time you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's like night and day
0: and i feel like it's more oh. it's good no i went last time you go
2: no, no, you went. <laughs> go, let's go.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, I think, uh <laughs> I think it's also more societally accepted for people to move in with their parents now, as well. But maybe, but I don't know. When we graduated college, which was only two years later after this movie came out, it felt acceptable. Like I, I didn't feel any shame saying like, oh, I have, I'm moving back home with my parents. Maybe for that kind of person, it's just too tough. Um, well, but we, mean, were we were college kids.
2: 22, right? And he's yeah. 37.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I, I
1: I, 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 totally see your point, though. But, and, but the thing that I was going to say was that cultural, that kind of cultural shift, I did feel like happened in those two years because it kind of had to. Like, the, the job loss and the marketplace just completely changed after those two years. And it was almost, it became like the norm. Like, you had to move back in with your parents. And it wasn't like... A lot of the times, it was not people choosing it; it was out of necessity. Like I'm, when I moved out of our place in San Francisco, I was moving because I had to. I had had no luck in San Francisco finding a job, and like I needed to, I needed to move my life forward. And the only way to do that was to go back to LA and move in with my parents. Right. So it's just it, it. I feel like that shift probably could have happened. And I mean, it is interesting. The movie, I think, also it's it's very surprising to me that this movie was even moderately successful coming out as quickly after um, that event. I mean, the fact that it's 2010 and this and we're dealing with like the 28 financial 2008 financial crisis. I mean, that is a tight turnaround for all of a sudden people to be like, okay, oh, now watch this movie about this that we just went through. I mean, it's kind of insane that it was that quick, because I I would have a hard time believing that people that went through that would want to pay 10 bucks to like, a watch it. a movie about it. Like, yeah. You
0: know? I remember when World Trade Center came out and I was like, no way. I'm not touching that. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Yeah. I was
0: like, I don't and I And I think that was more than two years after.
2: Isn't that Nicolas Cage?
0: That was Nicolas yeah. Cage. Yeah. Yeah. and then there was United. I
2: love that movie. I, we're not, <laughs> not going to talk about it. Fine.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know there was United ninety three, which was about a right. plane going to another place because the passengers. Mm-hmm. The in Pennsylvania. Yeah, the one that yeah. That is a great
1: movie, though. It and is a great World, movie. World Trade Center was kind of it was Oliver Stone garbage, but United ninety three is phenomenal. It
0: is phenomenal, but just knowing dark. that. But just knowing that it came out. Even after a certain amount of time, I was still like, I can't. When I watched it, we were living together, Paul, and in Koreatown, so that was like ten years afterwards, and that's when I felt comfortable to Uh, watch it. I think more, more so. It was more
2: than ten years. Yeah, it would have had to be. I also think, I mean, moving back in with your parents just to take it back real quick. Right. We also lived in the most expensive city in the united we states for time yeah for our social bubble i don't think it was at all like taboo to move back with your parents because it's yeah, like it not yeah not am i gonna pay three grand for rent today or <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> am i gonna go move with my parents where there's a spare bedroom with all my stuff and like maybe i can actually get a job um, yeah. that can you know i can survive on or make savings and then like finally move somewhere else like I think yeah. that was that was definitely a shift that, that happened also because of our locale. I mean, yeah, we also definitely. all grew up in California and still live in California. So we've been accustomed to higher cost of living for, for our lives. So um, it wasn't like a culture shock or anything like that either.
1: But it was also a quick move. It wasn't like we were moving to like Colorado or somewhere across right. the country. It was a quick, you know, we. I could hop on a plane and be home in an hour. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that Or just, a bus was... and like get there in six. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You used to take those buses, right, Paul?
1: I used to take the Greyhound all the time. I, mm-hmm. I was again another thing I was thinking about the other day when I was like, I cannot believe you did that, because um, I had a friend who was at UC Santa Barbara. So oftentimes I would take the Greyhound from San Francisco down to Santa Barbara. We would spend some days together, and then my dad would come up to Santa Barbara and pick me up. It's like an hour and a half on my way home, and then I would do the other way. Sometimes I would go from LA Santa Barbara than
0: up to, up to yeah. San Francisco.
1: I used to take them all the time too. Those like mega bus
2: Greyhound.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, I never did. Legit. Never did.
2: I took a Greyhound to Las Vegas one time. Don't ever do that from San Francisco. That, it's uh, the worst.
0: That sounds awful. They,
2: they just take you to LA and then over. And it's like oh, 15 God. hours.
0: 15 oh, no. hours
2: and like a layover in LA. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, that's a big ass layover. I mean, that is
1: going way out <laughs> of the way. It's terrible. That's oh the worst. My God.
2: There's nothing it just goes from San Francisco to Vegas. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no easy way, so. Yeah.
0: Do you think there was anyone you could root for in the movie? I tried to root for Tommy Lee Jones, but then he, had the, he has the affair, and I was like, oh, fuck, like this guy.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny about Tommy Lee Jones' character is that he has that affair, and like he doesn't realize that the exact same thing happens with his affair that happened in his marriage
1: yeah <laughs>
2: like the exact I same nonchalance like not caring not talking yeah. like that's juxtaposition scene of you know where he's uh, reading the newspaper at the table and she comes in and talks to him and then the next time it's just she comes in like slams her coffee cup and then walks out and there's yeah. like no reaction from him either time basically yeah like she, he responds the first time because it's about the dinner party and then he gets really drunk and, and then he she's still the one he goes to after everything ends but you know yeah he doesn't learn any of the lessons that you would think that he would learn from his initial marriage
0: yeah but his like his professional side was so like these are good people you're what are you doing what you're doing here is wrong like which i was like yeah like someone's got to stand up to uh to craig t nelson <laughs> and then he goes like
1: craig t yeah Yeah.
0: i wanted to i wanted to say uh uh zeke braverman but i didn't know if that was (laughs) (laughs) oh zeke but it was like who tommy jones was professionally he wasn't the same person in his personal life and then i was just like i don't know i don't know who to root for but there's points of everyone and I just felt sad for Chris Cooper because he had he didn't have a chance. No, he's just because no. he's just because of his age, and that's out of his control. And it's like the guy was like, "I wouldn't send someone younger than thirty on this job. This is like five weeks out of six or whatever. You're out of the country." Yeah. I felt I, I did feel bad, but I think it's just because of all this, all this mentality of masculinity that it's that's put in us as young boys as of now. Hopefully, that changes. Obviously, but.
2: Well, I mean, just quickly, like Chris also his Chris Cooper's character worked his way up. Like, you know, Tommy Lee Jones at the end after the funeral is talking about how he would hang from the ceiling, like laying welds and, you know, doing doing all the grunt work initially and had worked himself up to a point where, you know, he was one of the the higher paid people in the company. And like you can't just lose that and then start at the bottom again and as someone who like didn't have experience in anything else basically yeah. from you know yeah his resume is long but you know she's like take this out take this out dye your hair and he's just like that's, that's all i've done like this is this is the culmination of my life and like my livelihood and i can't just go somewhere else and you know put in that sweat equity that he he really put in when that company started too but yeah that that whole arc
1: I thought was well I just I think that whole arc was just so heartbreaking I mean he really I mean like you said Ethan he didn't have a chance I mean the second he lost that job it was it was game over I mean he doesn't have any sort of and and you know in in a weird way it's like he would have been better off getting a job where he I don't know waited tables or um you know, worked behind a counter or something, but that just, that wasn't, it, it was, it's, this is the, the toxic stuff is so ingrained in these guys' heads that it wasn't even like, he wouldn't, I don't think he would have even entertained the idea of like getting a, you know, um, a retail or kind of customer service like job just, just to make any, any sort of money. I mean, like it was so not even about that anymore. It was about clinging to the status and clinging to. Yeah who he has always been and i mean again as ethan said that's even harder for a guy who has literally worked his way up from the bottom and has been at the bottom and at 65 70-ish years old doesn't want to be at the bottom again probably can't handle being at the bottom again doesn't have the doesn't have the strength doesn't have the stamina for it so i mean that really was just the, it was very sad yeah. i mean i think he's he's the closest for me that was someone i could root for but like The point of his arc was not to root for him. It was to watch the absolute worst case scenario. I mean, he's almost like he is what, you know, if this had happened to Brad Pitt's character 20 years later, that would be Chris Cooper. That's the situation um, that he finds himself in. So um,
0: did you say Brad Pitt?
1: Did I say Brad Pitt? You did. (laughs) 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 I was waiting. I was like, yep.
0: I saw. Ben,
1: I, I mean, it. I meant to. I'm talking about Ben. I'm Ben, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> we did, we knew what you meant. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I it it's um. It was just tough. I liked I liked Ben Affleck's wife. I re, kind of rooted for her. She yeah, was cool. I was I was gonna she's say badass. at the beginning of this
2: that she's pretty much the one I'm I'm
1: I would root for. Yeah, yeah. I liked Sorry. I liked the the woman that Tommy Lee Jones was having an affair with, but. She she was a little, Sally. she seemed a little, Sally, she seemed a little ruthless and she seemed a little, I mean, obviously if you're someone who's having an affair with a married man and kind of know that you're doing that and don't really care, it would be, di- I mean, for me, it would have been a little bit different if she was kind of like just using him for sex, but like there was clearly also an emotional component where I'm like, well, now I can't, yeah. I can't really root for you because you're <laughs> being shitty, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I just love Maria Bello, and I she's criminally underused. And um, she's great. Or, yeah, she's awesome. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think there were I don't think the men, unless you were a specific kind of man, these men were not built to be rooted for. Unless you were men like this, or have been through. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, maybe the reason this movie did end up finding an audience is that I'm sure a lot of men in 2008 went through what these guys went through somehow worked themselves back up and then went and saw somewhat of a reflection of themselves in the guys that, you know, you know, certainly at least Ben Affleck who at the end, you know, kind of like makes it through and he comes out on the other side, but again, he comes out on the other side, having, I think not really learned a whole lot And, and, and it's not really about ever becoming like a better man. It was, it was just about kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess Kevin Costner's character you can you can kind of root for. He's he's he great. Does a lot of he does that a lot of nice things.
0: Well he, he does a lot like... of nice
1: things that he doesn't have to do. I mean, a lot of like giving giving the guy giving Ben Affleck's character the extra money, taking on somebody else when he doesn't really need to. Like those are things that like ultimately, and as we end up learning, kind of put him in a weird position and he was kind of losing money, but he had enough integrity to be like, Well, these are guys that need help. And
0: yeah. Doesn't matter right. that
1: one of them is my shitty brother in law who always talks <laughs> down to me. He needs help. And he was clearly the kind of guy that was going to help someone in need. And that's yep. cool. That's rad. That's cool. I hate Kevin Costner, but um, he he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was, uh, you could root for him in to a certain extent. I mean, he in his own way developed, not developed, he exhibited toxic behavior. Um, but I think of all the men, In the film, I think he was the one that I was most I most saw kind of really deviating from from the party line behavior. He was the only one that really was doing a lot of things that were actively pushing against toxic masculinity as opposed to completely going along with it and kind of merging with it.
0: So the biggest thing for me from this was like trying to keep up appearances. How do we stop caring about the way we look to other people? easy question i know take your time (laughs) because like that's the biggest thing like if they get rid of that then they can move on or move forward because it's like like if i didn't if i don't think ben athlete cared he would like okay let's okay let's do this let's let's size down the house let's get rid of the car let's do that um i'll get a job here that's okay i know it's temporary whatever my kids may still quote unquote respect me which i didn't like that line like like these men losing their jobs and their spouses and their kids aren't respecting them anymore. And I was like, all right, well, how do we go? How do we go about, how do we start that? It's addressing
2: is- pride. I mean, the, the appearance thing is all about pride. It just, it just ties into to your pride and how you want to be viewed by other people. Right? Like we have whatever, you know, your own personal style, like you take pride in that. That's how you want other people to see you and Or it's just how you see yourself and you like want other people to see how you see yourself, right? So if you see yourself as a successful businessman driving a Porsche with a very nice house, and you know a beautiful wife and two kids like when that's taken away from you because you're fired in the context of the movie like then he loses the pride that he has for himself a little bit but he wants to maintain that image in the eyes of other people and he wants to pretend like that's all still there because he's still that person and it's i mean i think you just have to get over that that pride factor of like i am who i am outside of what i do for a living it may complement or add to or detract from who i am at times but like at the end of the day i sell freight for a living but like you know is that who i see myself as outside of work you know is that what i want to portray to the world and like do i need to keep that appearance up 24 7. like i have coworkers that go out golfing with their clients And, like, one just bought a new car. And, like, there's new cars in the parking lot every friggin' week. And it's wild and crazy. And I'm driving, like, a beat-up Ford Focus. And I'm like, cool. Enjoy it. (laughs) I have a car payment, and it's probably less than yours. (laughs) You know? Like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I I think you have to get past think of you. And it's, like, really easy to say and really hard to do. Because we all have our moments. And we all have our, like, situations, especially, like, our own people in our lives that we want to look at us in a certain light or a certain way. Um, so I think we all put on airs or appearances to to at least certain groups or certain people in our lives, whether it's true or not. But, I mean, everyone wears a mask. It's just how thick the mask is, I think. No, kind oh, yeah. I'm... In that sense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we won't go there. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, uh, it's, I mean, Ethan kind of hit the nail on the head just a minute ago when he said anything about what, I mean, anything that you're asking about Josh in terms of the keeping up appearances, anything that we do to combat it, it's all really simple. Um, that doesn't mean that it's easy to do. Um, I'm, I'm kind of stealing that from a Med Rob, Mel Robbins, Ted talk, but I mean, a lot of the things in life that we need to work on or that we need to fix or that we need to, or that we feel like we need to do all of these things. um, A lot of what we need to do to alleviate it is super simple and really easy, but that doesn't mean that it's something that comes naturally or is easy to do. I mean, I would say that in terms of keeping up appearances, it's always going to be important. It's always been important. That's not going to change. Um, and I'm not even—I'm not even going to pretend I have the faculties or the knowledge base to unpack that. I don't. It is a nearly primal thing for people to worry about what other people think of them and what they're saying about them. There's varying degrees. It's—it's it's a gradient scale. There's no black or white, and there's certainly different shades to this. But I think everyone, to some extent, cares what people think about them. I think the trick is determining. How much of that is going to affect how you live your life and how much you're going to let that get in the way of your own happiness. And I think in terms of that kind of stuff, ah, God, a lot of that growth just comes from age, getting older, realizing that it doesn't fucking matter that you drive a Ford Focus from a few years ago when everyone else is getting new cars. Who gives a shit? Right. it means you have it means you're paying less for your car than they're paying for theirs and if your car gets you from point a to point b without blowing up who gives a shit it's a you know let's knock knock on um but, but 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 um you know it, it it's a it's a matter of perspective i think you it, you know however and if you want to be someone who cares a lot about appearances and Wants to spend a lot of money on your car and wants to, you know, have a great house and all this thing. There's also nothing wrong with that. the The trouble comes in when that becomes the most important thing, and it, it's no longer like an enhancement to your life, and it becomes all that your life is about. Because you know, having the money to get a great, great car and you know a nice house and be able to buy expensive things, hopefully you know the best case scenario is getting to that level doing what you love to do now there is a much different reality for people out there who are like hmm well i love acting i'd love to be an actor i'd love to be a singer that doesn't pay the bills and that doesn't put a roof over my head and that doesn't make it so that i'm able to live my life even at a bare minimum level so you know i know a lot of creative artistic type people who have had to completely retool their lives because of the pandemic. Does that make them any less of an artist? Does that make them any less of a performer? No, they're not doing it right now and they don't have an opportunity to do it. But a change in circumstance does not take away who you are and the things that you love to do. It took me a really, really, really long time to be comfortable with labeling myself as an artist because I'm not doing it right now. And I think that that is such a common Thing, but it's very destructive because what it means is that you can only be one thing at a time, and that's absolute bullshit. Human beings are so much more complicated than that, so much more um, dynamic. Yes, exactly. I mean, people are people have so much more to them than you would see on a first glance, and it. But where that comes from is from yourself. You have to be the one to really say, look. I'm not acting right now. I'm not singing right now, whatever it is. But that doesn't mean I'm not a performer. That doesn't mean I'm not an artist. It just means that for the time being, I have to do this, this, and this to survive, to make my living. And I think now, you know, you know, probably one of the reasons that was really, you know, one of the reasons it was hard for me to watch this movie is that it was so frustrating watching, especially, And and let's just pare it down to, Ben Affleck's character because let's be honest he's the star of the movie he is the person that the story sort of centers around it was so unbelievably frustrating for me to watch this guy have so many opportunities to grow change his behavior and he just wasn't doing it again this is probably a a very realistic and faithful representation of what men over there are like or guys in that age bracket at that time, whatever. But it was still so hard for me to be like, oh my God, you are truly someone who thinks that their job is their life. And that that doesn't have to be the case. It doesn't. If you want it to be, and you're doing a job that you love and you want that to be your identity, great. But don't then think that, I, I just wish that people were a little bit more aware of the fact that like what these things that we place so much attention on are not the things that define you as a person. You know, it, it it it's not it's not necessarily what you do that makes you the man that you are. And it's not necessarily your status and you know the the number in your bank account, how many Porsche's you have. Like that doesn't that doesn't in my opinion equate to something that is worth like letting slip away when it's taken away from you, you know what I mean? Like your job being taken away from you should not crumble your essence of course it's going to be difficult and it's going to suck for a while when you lose your job but that doesn't mean that you're useless and that doesn't mean that you're not worthy of love and and understanding and compassion and empathy I mean it doesn't it doesn't it's a very for, for a lot of men it's a very hard line where it's like I'm unemployed I don't mean anything and it's like oh my god this is such a dangerous road to fall down because so many people feel that way and so many people feel that way to the point that it's now been normalized that like that's just what guys these men going through these you know all the things that we see in this movie that's just like oh yeah well that's what men have to go through when they lose their jobs and it's so not it's there are so many other ways to sort of navigate the situation that these men are in and a lot of it comes from you know you got to show a little humility you got to stop taking yourself so seriously you got to say you know what this happened to me and it's nobody's fault. But that's really hard, isn't it? When there's some when something shitty happens and it's nobody's fault. That's almost worse, you know. When Yeah, you, you want just someone have, to blame. You want someone to blame, but a real I sign think, of growth is kind of just saying, Fuck, this happened, it's not my fault.
2: Yeah. I mean, your your whole main point is is spot on. It's like attribution of self-worth. Like, exactly. what are you willing to attribute your self-worth to? Is it the Porsche? Is it the appearances? Is it because you had a really nice job? Yeah. You know, you brought up being an artist. And, and I think what's really important, especially in America, is you're not just an artist if you can sell your art. And I think a lot of people like I draw poorly, really poorly,
0: like is not poor
2: it's pretty poor. I have my moments. Um I kept like a hand drawing for years because I thought it was the best hand I was ever going to draw and it probably was. But that's beside the point. I think we are so hesitant to say that we're good at something if we can't sell ourselves doing it. And if, if like
1: like that's so you know, dead I on.
2: acted in like school plays and like in church things like when I was a kid And like, I loved it. It was super fun, like cool bullshit. Like I love being full of drama. Um, Just ask my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But like (laughs) moments are like super fun. Am I going to go and sell myself as an actor? Am I going to get a role on a TV show? Like probably not. But like that is not the way we should attribute our own self-worth or describe ourselves. Like Exactly ben affleck's character is really good at selling like he's probably amazing at selling he's used to those high priced lunches like taking clients out to the golf course right and yeah. he attributes yeah. his own self-worth entirely to those exploits entirely to that role that he has taken on when he has completely neglected his wife completely neglected his children to the point where he's not having sex with his wife and she's trying to cheer him up and be like you know you should take this job like I bet you could carry so much lumber. <laughs> like That
1: scene was you know, excruciating it, to watch. And
2: it was so difficult because he just he's not even there. And like I'm not saying that, you know, when one person's in the mood, the other person has to be like that. No 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 no. Very no, 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 toxic. No, no, no. But yeah, impossible. You know, that scene is very like she's trying to console and support just entirely dismissive.
0: Yeah, she's reaching just,
2: out She's reaching out, she's trying to show him like, hey, like your loss of your job doesn't matter at all to me because we're in this together and we're a partnership and so like let's figure it out whereas he's entirely like i need this position this much pay to then reinvigorate like get myself back to where i was and how i saw myself prior yeah and so you know his entire self-worth is devoted to his job and to his status in his job and what he can provide with that pay so I think keeping up appearances really, you know, what you, what you were saying, it, it totally boils down to attribution of self-worth. What do you attribute your self-worth to? And what are you willing to sacrifice your self-worth if you, you know, if it's removed from you or if you can't do it anymore, you know, that sort of thing.
1: And there's no perfect combination. I mean, it's a, Absolutely it's a constant, it's, it's a, a constant. constant <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a constant, it's a constant balance in trying to figure it out. Because I mean, and, and what you were saying about the fact that, you know, all, all of the sort of perks, you would guess uh, you would you would say about Ben Affleck's job, those ended up being like the reasons that he was like, kind of excited about it. And like, that's what his life became about. But then, you know, regardless of neglecting his wife and children, he's also then completely forgot the the fact that like, well, you got to that position because you're, you're good at selling. Like that skill of his is completely not even in his head. He's not even like, I got to the point that I was at because I was good at this thing. And it's like, you've completely forgotten that that was like a skill that you had. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying that we can't, it's so hard for us to say that we're good at stuff to the point that like, it then we're completely missing the fact that it's like, well, you got to the level that you did because you were good at the job. You may not necessarily be doing exactly that job again, but there's a every, you know, all of those kinds of things have a core thing. And for him, it's selling. And right. he just it, that that completely went away because he was like, Well, I'm not doing this. And it's like, that didn't take away your skill set. That doesn't change right. fundamentally who you are and what your abilities are. It may hinder you being able to execute them because of fear and disappointment and defeat, but it doesn't change. It doesn't alter your biology and make you somebody completely different.
0: I did want to ask one question. Have you ever had a situation where your bank account came back to bite you in the ass?
2: I feel like it's gone both ways. Like I've had more money than I thought I would. So then I made stupid purchases to the point where I then got to the point where you're talking about But I've also, yeah, I've also been (laughs) been on that other end of the spectrum where I'm like, I'm depositing like $3 in bills so that I don't overdraft, which I feel like was a lot of college. Um, And again, that was probably purchasing things that I didn't need in quantities I didn't need going to shows or doing other things like my overdraft fees were
0: a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he like, got you know, very comfortable with an overdraft fee. That was just part of yeah. it was just part of my part of my day. At a certain yeah, point. those are expensive. <laughs> it it blows my mind now. Like the, the kind of shit that I've done yeah. I mean, what I'll say is that I think that money is an interesting thing because especially to men. Uh, yeah, especially to men. I think the idea of having your own money. Well for, for, firstly I think as much as someone can try to teach you about money you you can't teach someone about money you you have to let somebody really fuck it up with money to learn any sort of lessons about money um that's just my that's just my bend on it I think you can give someone a years worth of like finance finance control classes and how to budget how to save all that stuff and you know you let someone go for six months, you know, right out of college or something and they get a little bit of money and it's just, it's gone. I mean, I just, I, you, you have to, I think you have to fuck up with money before you really learn how to use it and save it and budget. Um, So yes, to answer your question, yes. my, My bank account has bitten me in the ass several times, but I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm thankful for every single time it did because each time taught me something and taught me how to how to how to use it properly? That it's not just this thing that you, as soon as you have, you get rid of it. Which I think, when you're younger, that's you know, especially when money is new to you, that's almost the first thing you do is just spend a whole bunch, spend a whole bunch, buy stuff you don't need, um, buy a ridiculous amount of things that you don't need. Um, I think yeah. it's also like yes, you need to mess up with money too, but like
2: you also need to know what it's worth. And so like that first job is super important, no matter what oh. it is like. You you get a little bit of money, then you see you screw up with that money, right? That first paycheck it, it goes to terrible things, right? You all screw up and you spend it all. <laughs> you spend it all on on things you don't need, and then you realize something comes up and you actually did need that money. Yeah, and you yeah. realize the the actual value of the dollar versus how much you worked for it. You know, you work that eighty hour a week, you get that first paycheck, you're like, wow, that's is it. <laughs> It's <laughs> exactly. not extra in here. Like you're pouring out. No, okay. Um, and you know, and and that that attributes that actual value of you know what what you're putting in versus what you're getting out. So then it's. I think that adds to your ability to dial down and say, okay, like I need to spend this on what I actually need, which is food, rent, you know, <laughs> like car insurance you know, actual expenses that, you know, keep you alive um, yep. as opposed mm-hmm. to the the other noise. I think it definitely takes that first
1: job where you learn the value and messing up a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna, I mean, for any young men that are out there listening, you're gonna fuck up with money. Like you just are. And it's, um, it's not something that should be looked down negatively. Like, I just think it's, it's not this thing that needs to be this like, world stopping like i need to reevaluate my entire life because i did this stupid thing with money that's not what i'm saying um you're gonna fuck up and you know in in more in more areas than just money in your adult life you're gonna fuck up a lot constantly, constantly. and even just when we're talking about that if someone had told me that when i was 21 22 I would have spent a lot less time over the ensuing eight years worrying about it and overthinking all of these things. If someone was just like, it's okay. you're going to fuck up. You're going to fuck up a lot and it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be shitty, but it is not going to kill you. And I think a lot of times we're taught that mistakes are going to be the end of us and it's going to kill us no you're going to up and you're going to keep moving on with life but the great thing about a fuck up is that you're going to learn from it whether yeah. or not it's comfortable whether or not it's fun you're going to learn of course 100 every every single time you mess up you're going to learn something hopefully <laughs> yeah. i if mean even it's even... a lesson <laughs> well that well there you go i mean that's that is yeah. a, that is a very interesting point you have to be willing to look at it that way and sort of accept accept it as a lesson you're totally you're totally right you're totally right but again if someone had told you that when you were younger the thinking would have been there where it's like okay what do i do now or like what do i do next time so that i'm not in this situation again you know um and yeah there's that you know that is that is the burden of personal responsibility but no one's going to grow up for you. No one's going to do any of this stuff for you. You have to do it for yourself. And a lot of times the fuck ups are things that you, you need to learn how to do. You need to learn that like, yeah, those sunglasses were really rad, but they were 400 bucks and now you're out 400. You know what I mean? I'm like using a very like kind of ancillary example, but like, it's, it's that kind of thing where you're just like, I have $400. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to spend all my $400 on this one thing. That I really really want and then you're 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 gapped out when you you know possibly have utilities to pay or a cable bill or card, like you know all these things and someone someone can explain that to you even in the most detailed perfect terms so that you feel like you were in that position but until you're in that position I don't I don't think it even really makes a dent until you're until you're really in the thick of it yourself personally that's just my my thing people have explained to me a lot of situations and i'm like oh yeah okay cool and then i'm in them and, and then I'm you're like, in it and you're damn like damn it yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> and i mean
2: i think how this would tie in to the movie is like right, the I, movie I'm that obsessed with this concept about. <laughs> i'm obsessed with this concept of, of golden handcuffs like the fact that you you know he's gotten to the point where he's he admitted 160k right he was making 120 mm-hmm. plus incentives right and, and then he got offered the 80K and he was like, wow, this is like half of what I was making. That's twice as what I make now. We're just going to throw that oh, out there. Oh, but it's oh, fine. oh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're fine. It's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. Anyways.
1: Um, and this was 10 years ago. Inflation. Perspective. Okay. <laughs> perspective. Perspective. Perspective.
2: <laughs> Golden handcuffs. I, I mean, to me, I don't know if it's an actual term or whatever, but to me it's it's this thinking that you know you you get a certain amount of money and you then live a lifestyle surra- like based upon that amount of money, right? You right, right. you know, he bought this nice house, so he has this like large mortgage payment, right? Right. He bought this right. Porsche, so he has a large car payment. You know, you're also paying, you know, utilities for this giant house you're paying for all of these corporate lunches, whatever, probably being reimbursed for half of them, but you never know. And so you, your monthly expenses, like those aren't, you know, you living in a college, you know, bedroom, eating ramen anymore. And like, you know, driving your beat up Volkswagen. Like this is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that budget versus this budget. And, and then you're living in this budget with the golden handcuffs that, you know, you keep up appearances because you now make this much money you can afford to do it so you continue to do it whereas i think a lot of people should learn the lesson that like if you live a little bit more frugally if you do you know not saying that you shouldn't enjoy so like maybe you do buy the porsche but like you have a smaller house like that house was massive What was that like six seven huge. bedrooms like it looked huge insane um from the outside anyways i don't know but, yeah.
1: No, it looked gigantic,
2: and especially in Massachusetts, like that probably cost quite a bit of money. And they were talking about getting eight hundred and fifty k for it, and that was less than they'd actually put in on it when they bought it. So it's like you're looking at a million dollar plus home. Yeah. So yeah. Like I'm obsessed with the fact that you know you get a little bit more money, and then and then people in the society like to then match their. Mm -hmm. toss their budgets to that money yeah instead of saving necessarily more you know you could live the exact same way you were living before but instead you moved into a nicer apartment or you know you got that new car because well why not because my old one was running funny and you know maybe it was a need but did you need to get that actual new car versus getting an older car and I think it's funny because I think about these things and then I find myself doing them and then it's like, but why, why did we do that? Like, what is, right. what was that? What was the reasoning behind that? Um, I, I think that's like a, a weird concept, but it's, it's something that I think is totally applicable
1: here because
2: he had his golden handcuffs, he was tied, and then he lost
1: the gold that plated
2: them. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's definitely, that's, incredibly common to you know get to a certain point and then say oh you know like i'm i'm feeling a little a little cramped in this one bedroom apartment i know it's still just me so i'll get a two bedroom and i'll have an office and it kind of just it always just kind of goes and goes and goes and goes from there and i think that the the foresight really should be you know maybe i'll stay in this you know smaller apartment but i'll have some more saving in case something happens to a family member you know it's just a matter of like switching the brain thinking yeah and and yeah. Um, and, and I think that people do do that, but the. Absolutely. Common I'm not thing, saying everyone's golden. Handcuffs, right. But yeah. This was certainly a perfect example though of it. I mean, yeah, you're right. He, that house for, you know, for a family of four, that house was easily twice the size it needed to be. I mean, it was you're too the, big, and a Porsche and all, all this crap. It's like you, you, you he, he'd really kind of um, it almost seems like, you know, we, we use this term a lot more for like people that work in customer service and retail, but like, there was no way that that family wasn't quote unquote living paycheck to paycheck. Like that was how they, that must have been how they were keeping up appearances. And, and I, it, I
2: think that's perfect. Like people that are rich also live paycheck to paycheck, not rich, rich totally. but like people as in this person's situation, right? Like the wife isn't working because the husband makes so much, like, Paycheck yeah, to paycheck yeah. is still the thing that they're living on. They're probably 100% like upper middle class. Yeah. Probably very low, high class, maybe. <laughs> An argument could be made, but like, yeah. I, yeah. I would say that at the time, they were probably very comfortable, like upper middle class, and you know, to immediately, yeah. like, you're fighting for survival. Yeah. And it's just one. I mean, point. within
1: within within the three months that they had his severance package, and then that that one week went by, and they were done. Like they were done. Like it's it's it it's was incredible over, yeah. how how quickly that just that just evaporates. Um, my sister has a friend who did pretty much the opposite of the golden handcuffs. She and her fiance were living in a, you know decent but by no way or you know no n- not fancy by any stretch of the imagination uh, apartment here in West LA and she was a realtor and she became really really successful and started started closing down like million dollar commissions that was staying in her her tiny little apartment for years and years and years people were like what are you like what are you doing like this is, you know, you guys want to start a family, blah, 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 blah. Like, why are you still in a small apartment? This woman ended up buying a $15 million house in the Palisades with cash. Yeah. And everyone was like, yes. oh, okay.
0: <laughs> like, jeez.
1: But that was that was a very strategic, very kind of thought out thing of like, yeah. They don't, they don't got to worry about mortgage payments. They don't have to worry about, you know, a whole lot of stuff that when you buy your first home, you're worrying about because she, they roughed it up for years and just kept pocketing that money, pocketing that money. I just thought that that was such a brilliant, like it was, it's totally the opposite of this golden handcuffs thing you're talking about where she intentionally kept herself in a very, you know, comfortable, but nowhere near, you know, exuberant or, excessive lifestyle so that they could you know a few years down the road have exactly the life that they wanted and exactly the house that they wanted what a great example of like setting a goal sticking to your plan and then ultimate ultimate reward ultimate payoff of like i am the
2: worst at those (laughs) (laughs) setting a goal making a plan sticking to it Mm. (laughs) that's where it's hard I'm, work, I'm, working
0: yeah. it, I'm working on I'm working on myself. Yeah,
1: that's the that's the tricky part. That's I've been the tricky working, part. I've
2: been I've been trying lately,
1: but uh, man, actually, I mean, I'm sober right now. So well, this was a big <laughs> this was a big goal. I mean, we're this is something that like I would never expect anyone who's like trying to make this behavior work start with this. I mean, this was like big no. goal stuff. No, like,
0: no, no. no.
1: I mean, Jesus. She trained herself much better before that
2: to like work towards goals and, I'm, and complete I'm them. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure
1: that that took a lot of practice. No one holds and... on to fifteen million dollars without a lot of self restraint. I'm like, I'm I'm like ballparking it. I, I was told like between. I, I mean... Between like 10 and 15, but like even 10. I mean, Jesus, like that is insane. Yeah. You know what um, I could do with 10 million dollars? I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: So many shows.
1: So many shows.
0: <laughs>
1: so many shows.
0: So many shows. No, I'm uh, I'm 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 there with you, Ethan. Like I'm trying to make sure that I still brush my teeth twice a day.
1: Oh god. I mean so like every goals, day. Yeah.
0: Some days I'm just like, "Uh, I worked hard enough. I don't have to, or I'm super tired. And then the next day I'm just like, oh, I should have just brushed my teeth.
2: I get it. I think, I mean, we've talked about this before, um, but like setting the small goals is is just as important as the big ones. Because like the small goals get you through the day. And I think that's sometimes a lot more important than making it to those big goals because like sometimes it really is just a day at a time yeah especially especially during a worldwide pandemic like it's this week i mean geez yes exactly since the sixth i mean i i think a lot of people myself included didn't realize they had anxiety issues until they were told hey by the way you've got anxiety issues like you <laughs> probably should oh yeah you should probably like you know breathe every once yeah. in a while oh and yeah like take a deep breath and you know i like figure it out but um yeah we need to work on that like yeah i i think yeah sometimes the small goals making your bed brushing your teeth doing the dishes so that they don't pile up like those are all very important goals that like are just very like daily intentions. You do them. Hopefully you do them. Sometimes you don't do them, but you don't feel as bad because it's not six days in a row of not doing them. And then it's a giant chore of, yeah. 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 So then I have to do all of these things and it's just going to yeah. make it everything worse. So yeah.
0: have you heard increments. of the, have you heard of the book, the power of habit?
1: I have not
0: heard. No, of that. it's a very good. I haven't finished it, but it's this. Uh, it's this. It's this book by Char. I think it's Charles Duhigg. It's like D-U-H-I-G-G, and he basically just tells like all these stories about people who change their habits and how, like, a, how a habit is formed, how it has like a cue, an action, and then a reward. I want to say, and so it just you think about all the habits that you do every day, or whatever, if it's like weekly, monthly, yearly. Um, But I think they focus on more like day-to-day where they want to try and change things. And it talks about like an NFL coach changing the way he coaches his team and people trying to get off gambling and now are like trying to stop smoking and get get out of a gambling problem. Then they're like super broke and then they become like super rich or whatever. Um, But it's interesting just to think about how how it's just like, there's not much you have to change physically, but then having to keep it up like mm. having to keep it going—that's really, or that's what I take. That's what I take from it is like just having to keep it going is so. That's the hardest part. Like, if you want to stop smoking, they have an idea. Like the the stress of that makes you want to smoke is not going to go away, so you can't help that. So it's not the cue that changes that makes you want to do things. It's and not the reward either. What's it's the it's the trigger or like the the action that needs to change. So like if you get like a like a craving for a cigarette, then you, you just need to find something else that gives you that same pleasure or, or whatever to get that same reward, but it's not smoking anymore. Um, it's I don't know if I'm making it sound easy. It is not easy. And it's not just like for smoking, it's for anything. Um, but uh, it's crazy how powerful that is and how when you get into a, a habit of doing something, you can change it into a good habit and once you get that good habit locked down then it just changes your whole day or, or, or it could or it could change your whole week yeah. or your month because um, i started doing things like that where i, I write down things i want to do daily and they're not big it's like i wake up i do yoga uh and it's not like a right away it's not like i pop out of bed and like just go into stretches um uh <laughs> It's like I just like jump out of bed. I'm like, all right, cat, cow, <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> But I but I even write it down, like like check the laundry and put the dishes away from last night. And I just yeah. like, things that I yeah. can just quickly check off, and then the dishes are a real. But thing then for you me. like
2: look back at it. I know, I get it. But then you look so, back at it, and you're like, I did all this stuff today. Like, yeah, and you can point to it, and you're like, look, like look all the stuff that I did today. Like, so you can't say. I did nothing today except like binge watch yeah, 60 yeah. episodes of television like <laughs> you know like
0: yeah and, and that's like...
2: kind of where I was a couple weeks ago so I, I yeah so what is Change
0: what's the out. name of the book again it's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg it's D-U-H-I-G-G it's like a yellow it's like a yellow title with like red symbols on it to make a circle to form the habit loop and it shows and it ah um well thank you guys for doing this um
1: thanks and for, for, for watching always
0: and and thanks, for, thanks for thanks for watching and thanks for watching the movie um i appreciate it uh,
2: yeah <laughs> thanks for thanks for having us josh it was fun. thank you
0: thanks again for listening if you like this episode go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it you can subscribe and get our new episodes every week tag us on instagram at boys will be human and you can join more conversations over at the facebook community page and leave a review Reviews are crucial, especially for newer podcasts like this one. I know we're getting into the second season, but I still think a review would be nice. The music you are listening to is by Polaroid Bear. Check out his music at his website in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.